Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today and a friend that I've had for quite some time now, Scott Cantrell from Smart Solutions Media. Hi, Scott. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. I'm great, Sean. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, it's very exciting because we've had an opportunity to work together, which has been amazing. Uh, I can't thank you enough for that. Podcast chef, obviously. But uh, you have a lot of expertise beyond that that I'm really excited to share with our audience and myself. I'd love to learn more from you. I always do every time we talk. Yeah, great. I'm 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 thrilled to be here and help in any way I can. Share share whatever expertise I've learned probably through trial and error with everybody else. So they can avoid the mistakes that I've made. That is the procedure. One of the best ways to learn. I uh, <laughs> I, I often use that strategy myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, before we go too much further, if you wouldn't mind, Scott, to familiarize yourself with our audience so that they can learn more about you, can you share more information about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. So I started uh, as a freelance consultant actually during college. I was studying marketing and sales and business development and really found a fascination with it. And I wanted to be out in front of groups speaking. So I started out as a professional speaker. Well, I started out as a speaker, not a professional one. Um, and then tried to learn the art of the of the trade, so to speak, and um, studied marketing and sales to try to get more bookings, to try to identify and find more clients. And as I was learning more about marketing and sales, I found that I had a, a passion and a uh, uh, a desire to do more of that type of work. So at that point, while I was speaking, I also started doing consulting work, freelance consulting work, really across industries. I would, you know, everything from entertainers to restaurants to professional services to manufacturers um, and everything in between. I was I was doing freelance projects and so forth. And that was a I learned a whole lot about <laughs> what works and what doesn't <laughs> in the consulting trade just by trial and error. I didn't really have. Um, you know, mentors or coaches at that point uh, in my early 20s and just grew that business. And um, it was around that time that I met uh, someone who had become a business partner of mine. And we co-founded a, a company uh, called Bottomline Solutions. And this is a consulting firm that is highly specialized in the employee benefits space, the insurance space. Um, and my business partner and I uh, grew that business quite successfully together. Um, into the seven-figure realm, and then I exited at the end of 19. It was just time for me to do my own thing again. Um, still do work with the previous company, uh, but exited in 19. And uh, of course, little did I know what the world had in store for us all in 2020, um, but but started this new business, Smart Solutions Media, at the beginning of 2020. Um, and thanks to folks like you, who I got to work with and got to know, um, and then again, my own experience getting bloody nose, uh, learning what doesn't work. I was able to hit my goals in 2020 and 2021 and uh, have the same outlook and expectation for 2022 and beyond. So it's been great. I, I work primarily now with uh, other independent consultants, coaches, speakers, authors, basically anybody who is an expert or a thought leader in their space. And they have a service, um, knowledge, skill or expertise that they want to share with another business organization. Um, if that individual or that firm um, wants to grow faster and easier or to simplify their marketing outreach, their business development work, then it may or may not be a, a fit in terms of working together, but I'd love to have a conversation. That's really who I, who I focus on and serve the most today. That's excellent. Thank you, Scott, for uh, sharing the background with me and the audience, as well as the compliment. I'm not sure how much of that I deserve, but 
I'll take it and thank you. Uh, much appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, in addition to, you know, there's a lot of what you shared there strategically that I want to unpack. Mm-hmm. In particular, about the trial and trial and error elements of being able to test and then learn from it to get it better. I love that strategy myself as well too. I've done it in many things even beyond business, but uh, it always seems to promote and encourage learning, which is a key part of this process. Learning from yeah. what didn't work, learning from what did work, and you know the big problem that we talk about quite a bit on this show is for consultants like you and I. Uh, also, which sounds like it's pretty squarely also with inside your target market, so even better more context, more data there as well too, because perhaps you're helping even your uh, clients solve these problems today. And that's kind of the feast and famine element is where the name of the show comes from. Yeah. Just the nature of the work uh, doing business as a consultant, where you can go through these cycles of being really busy and then not uh, all of a sudden, you know, the stomach sinks or the heart drops or whatever. And it's, oh no, where's my next project going to come from, right? Everything was going well. We were really busy. All of a sudden we're not. Now what? Uh, So we want to talk more about any situations where you found yourself there, uh, most consultants have. I know myself, mm-hmm. I'm not immune to it as well. I've definitely been there. Uh, and each time I've experienced it, I feel like I've learned something new, in particular, the things I knew I should have been doing at that time, which I wasn't. Yep. Eventually, uh, you know, at the uh, famine element of the cycle kind of came knocking, and here I found myself yet again. Uh, that was progress from where I was previously, but still, uh, it repeated itself. And then that you know, set me on the path to investing into other areas, which will help delay, you know, that from happening again, or perhaps at all. That's really kind of the objective there. So to build process and build things that can combat that and help you grow and continue to grow consistently. So anyway, long story short, I'd love to hear your take on this, um, what your experience has kind of been like with it. And then let's dive into some strategies that you've used that uh, can effectively solve that problem for consultants. Yeah, happy to. I I think it's, uh, you know, I... I was just talking to another business mentor of mine a few days ago, and and she was asking me about, you know, what are the key challenges that you help consultants overcome? And, you know, one of them was, well, get more qualified prospects in the pipeline. Yeah, everybody wants that, or at least the ability to to do that. Um, Help them systematize their efforts so it's not all on their shoulders doing all this manual labor that that they don't really want to do that they really shouldn't be doing because there's other things they'd rather do. And then the third one was break out of this, break out of this service and delivery and marketing cycle, right? Where we work so hard to market and sell to, to fill up the pipeline, to close business. And now our focus is so much on, on serving the business and making sure we deliver at a high level. And then we take our eye off the ball on the prospecting and sell side. And when we get to the end of the project or close to the end of the project, we start all over again and we have this, this stress issue again. So I, I completely understand um, that, that issue and have suffered from it more than, more than I care to talk about, but certainly early on, it was, it was a plague. Um, you know, I would, I might have two or three projects because I might go and speak somewhere and two or three people will come up to me and I turn one or two or all three of those into business and and I'm happy and I I don't worry about speaking again for a while and then I start to finish those projects I guess I guess it's time to go speak again but in the meantime you know the bank account's dwindling or is already empty and it's like eh, that's not that's not fun um a business coach of mine says this and I it, it was profound to me when I first heard him say it and it's so true he said that um emotion is driven by our cash flow but peace is created by the balance of the account, the bank account. Um, and 
Yeah. And, and I think that's really, his name is Mark LeBlanc, by the way, not trying to hide his identity. Um, so Mark LeBlanc, when he said that, it, it occurred to me that I've got to find a way to maintain a, a bank balance that gives me peace, whatever that is, everything's relative. But I also, and more keenly, I have to make sure that there's consistent activity in the pipeline all the time. Now, certainly there may be ebbs and flows. There may be surges where it's a big flood of new opportunity and then a trickle. And I think that's okay. I don't, I don't think it's about maintaining the same level of, of um, flow in terms of new prospects or clients all the time. Uh, I think it can, it can and will ebb and flow. I think the key thing is not turning the faucet off or not letting the faucet get turned off. Well said. Because at that point, you know, it's a lot harder. Marketing and sales is about momentum. And so when you when you stop it completely and there's zero momentum, all of a sudden, uh, it's a lot harder to get that engine started again. You can turn the engine down. You can go into, you know, first or second gear, just but but never go into neutral and never turn the engine off. And so I think that was a key, key lesson that I learned um, that I've learned and been reminded of recently, but in the previous company as well, before I exited there, I mean, we bootstrapped that company from the very beginning. And early on, it was all about getting new clients. And at some point, we hit a place where we had to find a way to balance the two, balance the servicing and the value delivery piece with the prospecting piece. And that took us a while to find our footing there. So I, I, I can only imagine that any any consultant, whether it's a large firm or a solopreneur, uh, has had to deal with this in some shape, form, or fashion. Very well said. I love the quote, obviously, and yes, definitely been there. The analogies that you gave, I think, are excellent. It's a really good way to think about this because as you were telling that story, I I could feel myself going through my own emotional roller coaster. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're hitting you're hitting where it hurts for sure, which is exactly where we want to be, right? And it's making sure that you're continually investing in a process that is capable of generating some form of repeatable results, right? right. Because as long as you have those results, it never stops. Right. To your point, it might slow down. Other times it might speed up. That is a natural occurrence. And I don't want anybody listening to think that that's the same thing. That's not what we're talking about solving, is making right. sure that you have a process that you are continually investing in to maintain, as you said, that momentum, which is a seriously key element of this. Because as soon as you stop or you lose a lot, if not all of that progress, and the longer you wait to restart it, you're going to have to start all over again and build back up that momentum, right? So instead of shutting it off, keep things moving, right? If you have to, if you get busy, it's okay in your your point to like slow down a little bit, but you can't stop, right? Right. As soon as you stop, I think it's what I heard... um, Back from the, uh, the the comedian Jerry Seinfeld, the way I've heard it said, hilariously enough, and I've correlated this to my own marketing efforts. Right, he's obviously had tremendous success as a comedian with shows like Seinfeld and whatnot. But he, the way he describes it is, "Don't break the cycle." Yeah. And what he meant by that was like he writes jokes every day. The day doesn't go by where he doesn't write jokes. Right. And that's his craft. Yeah. And he says, if you you know let that go, it's a slippery slope. Right. And um, that, so I've gotten to a point now where like some of the stuff that I've done more recently to pull myself out of the last trap that I experienced, uh, building myself like a marketing infrastructure of sorts and Mm -hmm. develop it into routine. 
in terms of what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. So I'm consistently producing stuff. So I'd love to hear from you, uh, Scott, talk more about, you know, what is your process? What have you built? What have you been able to maintain consistently throughout these kind of uh, cycles, these ebbs and flows of business? Yeah. And I'm just taking a couple notes here. So I'm looking down, but uh, uh, no, I'm happy to share. And I think that, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you talked about this idea of turning this process into part of your routine and the Seinfeld quote is fantastic to that end. It's about making, it's about setting a certain regiment and having discipline to fulfill that regiment on a consistent basis. And eventually it becomes part of what you do, right? Uh, so you Seinfeld as an example, that, that joke writing habit is so habitualized in who he is now and in his everyday process it would probably be difficult for him to break that habit. Um, Great point. And so the idea, I think, is to find those activities, those business development activities, and we can talk about what they could be, but to find those business development activities and ensure that over, it's not going to happen overnight, but that they are consistently part of your routine and that you're disciplined enough to keep them in your routine so that ultimately, hopefully, they become a habit that you that is harder for you to break than it is for um anything else, right? To, to, to take that, to take that space of that activity. There's a quote um, that I use a lot in my presentations and it's, it's, it's simple and it's not earth shattering, but I think it's, it's something I keep it in front of me in a, in a formula, a shorthand way. Um, And it's consistent, positive action yields consistent, positive success. And again, there's nothing earth shattering about that, but the, the point of it is uh, the word, consistent and action. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. And so it's about, it's, it's sowing and reaping too, is another great metaphor, right? We, in, in, in our world of, of being entrepreneurs and owner operators or solopreneurs or having small teams or even a large team, we're bombarded by marketing opportunities all the time, business development opportunities. And I, and, and some of those are fantastic and some of them are not. Uh, but I think the key thing is, in terms of sowing and reaping, we don't plant the seed in the ground and expect to have a harvest the next day, right? We're planting a bunch of seeds in the ground and we know that over time, as long as we cultivate them, they will grow into something that we can harvest. And so I think the goal for my own personal goal, and I would endorse this to to anyone watching and listening, is to plant new seeds with new potential clients or past clients. every single day, and then just cultivate them over time. Uh, we can talk about how to do that. But um, if you just did that one, just did that one a day, just one new seat a day uh, with a past client or a new potential client, that's going to add up quickly. And soon enough, you'll start to you'll start to reap that harvest over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen over time. So that's a mentality that I had to change early on because I'm. I, I will say my my marketing mind is very much in the direct response world, right? Where I'm, I'm all, I'm all for having a valuable brand um, and people understanding, you know, what, what my company is about, who I'm and who I am and what I stand for. But at the same time, I want, I want to have conversations with prospects and turn them into clients. And so I'm a huge proponent uh, and endorser of direct response marketing. Um, And in that sense, when I was first learning direct response marketing, it was about, you know, you do the thing and you get a response, right? You do the thing and you get a response and you create a flood of new opportunity and then you feel that opportunity. But that kind of falls back into this 
this feast or famine consulting trap. So we want to avoid that. So then I realized, well, what direct response marketing strategies can I utilize on a consistent consistent basis, on a day-in, day-out basis that I can maintain um, that, that it doesn't necessarily require me to put in a ton of effort for one campaign that's going to create all my clients for the next 12 months. I don't think about it that way anymore. It's what can I do on a daily basis that puts me, gives me access to and helps me engage with potential clients three months from now or six months from now. My, my business partner, um, my previous business partner, when we would have a proposal out or when we'd be talking to a prospect and, and the prospect said, you know, I like, I like what you guys are doing. I want to do this, but not right now. You know, we have a little bit of disappointment, right? We didn't close the sale. And he would look at me and say, Scott, we need business next year too. And it was a good reminder awesome. that, that again, what we did in that moment was we planted the seed. And even though that prospect, we weren't ready to harvest that opportunity yet, we planted the seed, we cultivate it, and it'll be ready to harvest the next year. So I know we want to get into strategies, but just in terms of a framework on how to think about this, I think it is about what are the small activities that you can do on a daily basis that can become part of your routine, like you said, that can become a habit that you do day in and day out, at least on the weekdays. I love that quote uh, from your ex-business partner, too, that puts things in such great perspective, right? Because you're right. The initial response you have to something like that is typically an emotional negative response, right? Because right. it didn't happen. What I wanted to happen didn't happen right now. But right. to use that like hunting farming analogy, the farming element there in terms of setting up next year, that's so critical, right? Because yeah. as you build it as part of a process and just for anybody else that's listening, I don't know about you, Scott, I imagine uh, it sounds like for sure, but definitely in my end, I have gotten more work from people that weren't ready at the time or yes. a proposal that I initially lost or whatever that I would have ever thought was even possible. Uh, so much just like, it's really starting to build that relationship, right? Yeah. And if you have, keep the relationship alive, keep checking in, chances are there's going to be overlap and a need there at some point. So uh, that activity is not for nothing. It's, it certainly helps. 100% agree. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. So the uh, the other element I want to reinforce as well too, we talked about like Seinfeld's don't break the cycle. Uh, there's a, a gentleman that I know both of you and I are familiar with and follow a lot of his work as well, too, in Jonathan Stark, who right. talks a lot to similar audiences like ours as well, too. And one of the things he's a big proponent of, which is actually something I've started to do and can share my perspective if you're curious, because I wasn't sure I would ever get there, but I'm writing a daily email now mm -hmm. uh, to my consultant uh, list subscribers, so to speak, about you know what I consult in, which is product strategy, typically software, but productization, if you will. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a really interesting process to go through thus far, but I've been doing it daily so far. And it's been, um, you know, he's a big proponent of writing a daily email is easier than writing a weekly one, which is something that's like, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a mindset shift to think about it in that way. Cause you're clearly talking about like potentially more work somehow yeah. being easier. And it just doesn't make sense in your head. Right. Yeah. But having done it myself so far, I, I now know what he means by that. And it's, you know, you put kind of analysis paralysis in writing that weekly email. Like, yeah. did I include everything in there? Did I forget something? Whatever. Did I send it right? Maybe I forgot because it's not. It's a little bit less of a routine. But now that I'm firing off like daily emails, I 
you know, if I don't feel great about the email that I'm about to send, or I feel like I forgot something or whatever, I have tomorrow. You got tomorrow, right? It's coming in. <laughs> yeah, right exactly. Back to it. yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll just talk about that tomorrow. I don't really worry about it. Um, and uh, that element though, had certainly made it easier and it's been become, you know, routine, as I was saying. So yeah. anyway, I, I want to hear from you though. I want to hear, you know, what, what do you do to what level of consistency? Mm-hmm. Where have you found success? And, you know, building that to the extent where, it starts to feel like, you know, Seinfeld would say it like to your point, you know, at some, at some point it becomes difficult for him not to continue that cycle yeah. because it's become such an ingrained habit. Like he can't finish his day until he writes a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is where we want to be. So anyway, yeah. I want to hear uh, more, but more from you. Sure. Sure. So I, I kind of want to take this from two angles. One is, one is just more of a strategic statement and a way of thinking. Um, and one is, is, a, you know, kind of a list of tactics, and I'm happy to share what, what I do. Um, from a strategic standpoint, and the main work that I do with my clients is, is helping them go from unknown to authority in a given marketplace, right? So if a consultant is, is uh, a leadership consultant, and they want to work more with manufacturing CEOs, but they're not known in that space, or maybe they're a little bit known in that space, but they've done a little bit of work, but they want to expand their work, then the the work that I do is is in terms of helping them become more, have more notoriety, have a higher level of preeminence in that space. And the reason I even bring that up is that is, I think, a huge, when that's done properly, that's a huge shortcut to being able to create opportunities, quote unquote, at will, right? Um, when you have a level of notoriety and when you have a, a group of followers and subscribers like you do, um, it becomes easier to launch a new product. It becomes easier to create create new prospective conversations because you're not starting at zero anymore, right? You've got your followers, your list, your subscriber base that you're cultivating, in your case, on a daily basis, uh, which is incredibly impactful. So I would just encourage everybody to, to think about that strategy and ask yourself, how many people, how many ideal prospects in my universe know about me? Um, or know of me, and how am I staying in front of that group of people in an authoritative and, and authentic way on a consistent basis? So thinking about that strategy of becoming a true authority and thought leader in the space, I think is important. Then the question is, that's the strategy. Then the question is, how do you do that, right? And so this is where the tactics come in. And and I'll just start with, I think, what is one of the most um, compelling, and I'm not playing to the I'm not playing to the choir here, Sean. I mean this. Uh, the work that we've done with my podcast, Consulting with Authority, um, has been tremendous. It gives me a level of confidence uh, and belief in who I am and what I do. It gives me a reason to reach out to not just potential, not just potential clients, which it does that, but it gives me reasons to reach out to influencers and potential uh, promotional partners and other people that I would not have an easy time reaching out to, but now I I can invite them on my podcast to interview them and let them speak to my group. And so uh, a podcast is a fantastic, fantastic way to establish authority. And and it compels you uh, having a podcast. If you you really want to do it, uh, listen to to Sean and do what Sean says, number one. But if you really want it to be successful, it has to be, is what I learned from you, Sean, it has to be consistent. If you're going to do a weekly show, then you need to do a weekly show. If you're going to do a monthly show, you need to do a monthly show. You can you can slow down or speed up the frequency. The point is you got to be consistent um, with that with whatever frequency you decide on, and and that's been huge for me. 
um, because it's compelled me to do that type of outreach to have those types of conversations. So the podcast is is one uh, tactic that I think people should should look for. And and again, I wasn't sure when we when you and I first started having a conversation about what the podcast should be or should it just be me or should it be interviews. I think one of my concerns was, you know, I've got a lot of content, but after twelve weeks. Do I want to be speaking again? Right. I mean, they don't, my, does my audience doesn't want to hear from me 14 weeks in a row. And so we decided on the interview model. And that's been, you know, advantageous in so many ways. I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of people that have turned into business for me. Uh, I've gotten to uh, engage with influencers and partners that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and I've been able to consistently stay in front of my audience on a on an ongoing basis. So that's one. Um Speaking. So podcast is a form of speaking, but doing presentations, whether virtual or in person, obviously there's fewer in-person events going on now than there have been in the past, but virtual is fantastic. Whether it's hosting your own event, a virtual event, or you're speaking at or a part of another event, being in front of your audience on a consistent basis in a authoritative way, speaking is a huge a huge tactic that I would absolutely encourage everybody put toward the top of their priority list. Um, uh, authorship. And when I say authorship, I do mean writing a book, but it doesn't have to be just writing a book, right? Blogs, articles, those types of things. But it's not just writing them. It's sharing them, right, through the proper distribution channel. So most often we think of social. Uh, obviously, email is another place uh, that you could share your, your work. But, you know, um, LinkedIn is a is the ubiquitous business to business platform that we all should should utilize on a more consistent basis, probably. So, in terms of my own marketing mix, my own daily or weekly marketing mix, it basically consists of a few things: uh, recording at least one podcast episode. And some weeks I record three, and some weeks I don't record any. But on average, I'm recording one podcast episode a week. I am responding to and reaching out on LinkedIn virtually every single day. Again, sometimes I will put, you know, I'll spend two hours once a week and I don't spend a lot. If I do it on a daily basis, I'm not spending a lot of time. We're talking about 15 minutes on LinkedIn, just seeing did are people reaching out to me? Do I need to respond? What can I comment on? That kind of thing. Uh, who, who do I need to connect with? Um, and a lot of that LinkedIn work I've automated as well. So I've automated the part that I think needs to be automated. And I keep the manual part, the part that I think needs to be manual. I know a lot of people have, um, negative feelings about automation on LinkedIn. But I think if it's done authentically, it's not about whether it's automated or not. It's about whether the message is authentic and empathetic. Um, so anyway, so LinkedIn podcast, um, I reach out for a speaking event. Usually I'm, I'm trying to host, I'm trying to host or be part of two speaking events a month. So I may have to reach out a little bit to land those two two showcases or two speaking opportunities a month, but I'm trying to do that. Um, I have not been as religious about my email outreach as I should be. So a little bit of a self-indictment here, um, but I usually send out a weekly email. I need to make that more regimented and turn it into my own habit. But uh, And maybe what I need to do, Sean, is take a note from you and Jonathan and make it a daily email so it becomes easy. <laughs> um, but that's part, of my, that's part of my outreach. Another benchmark that I set for myself is every single day, um, I reach out to three and it doesn't have to be three. Three is my number. Maybe it's five for someone else and maybe it's one for, for another person. So three just happens to be my number. But I reach out to three people. These can be brand new people. They can be 
prospects that I've been cultivating for a while. They can be past clients. They can be uh, current clients. They can be influencers, people who can introduce me to other people. Uh, they could be other types of advocates, right? People who maybe there's not a way we can do business directly, but someone that I think might be beneficial to know and for them to know me. So uh, I'll, I'll make three out three direct outreaches. That could be a phone, a, a direct phone call if I have their number. Could be a text message if I'm comfortable with that person texting wise. Could be an email. Most often for me, it's an email, a direct personal email. But I will do three of those outreaches every single day. That's 15 a week. That's 60 a month. <laughs> um, and trust me, if you throw out 60 lines uh, into the into the universe, into the pond every single month, you're going to get some bites. You're going to have meaningful conversations. The other thing that I try to do on a weekly basis is have two to four um, introductory calls. And in today's world, it's almost always a Zoom conversation. These are 20 to 30 minute conversations. Often it's about the podcast. Um, and I'm interviewing someone to see if they might be a fit for the podcast. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a prospect or a referral or something like that, or someone I just met and said, hey, let's let's have a virtual coffee. Uh, but I try to do two to four of those uh, every single week. So you start to aggregate these things on top of itself. And I do all of that while I'm doing all my value delivery, while I'm doing all my servicing. Um, if you were to add up all those activities, now, everybody can go down the rabbit hole in LinkedIn and spend way too much time there. But really, we're talking about a collectively, you know, probably eight to eight hours or less per week to do all of the things I just said. And I can do all of that in, you know, one or two hours a day. Um, and, and, you know, if I'm in, but it is. It is about intentionally, see, I know all those things. I know the things that I need to be doing on a consistent basis because I've intentionally decided those things. Um, and I'm not saying that's a perfect marketing mix. It, it works for me really well. It might not work for someone else as well, but you've got to figure out what your marketing mix is for yourself and then be intentional about holding the time sacred on your calendar. So for me, just, and this is a really important thing that I, again, I'll give Mark LeBlanc credit for this. Um, he's helped me get control over my daily calendar and understand that I have to be very, very intentional with my time and I have to make time for business development. So even though it's only one or two hours a week, if I don't hold that time or one to two hours a day, if I don't hold that time sacred, as you know, Sean, it'll be gone in a fall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I will tell you what I do. Mondays, as a rule, I, I will break the rule. I'll make exceptions for myself. But Mondays, I don't take calls. I don't do outside calls on Mondays. The last half of the day on Friday is, is flex time for me. Um, and that leaves Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the morning of Friday for me to do phone calls or whatever I need to do. Therefore, Monday and Friday, Friday afternoon is, is sometimes just an early weekend. Um, but in particular, in particular yep. Monday, um, because I'm not taking calls, number one, when I wake up on Monday morning, I'm not, I'm not dreading a weird a weird morning call from somebody, right? I don't know. I, I like having calls with people, but it's like, it's not necessarily the first, for me, it's not the first thing I want to do on a Monday morning. Right. So uh, exactly, it's abrupt. So I'll spend Monday working on my client's work, you know, providing value or servicing. And then I'll spend some time prospecting. And then throughout the week, I'll sprinkle my calls, whether they're service calls and value delivery calls or prospecting calls or whatever it may be. But um, just having that clarity around my calendar has given me a lot of peace in terms of making sure that I'm holding my time sacred. The last thing that I'll mention here, I know I've, I've gone on for a bit, but 
The last thing that I'll mention here is I do my best. I'm not perfect at this either, but I do my best to do my business development work as early in the day as I can. It's the most arguably for my business, it's the most important work that I do. Because if I don't have clients, you know, a month from now or three months from now or six months from now or a year from now, there's no business. So arguably the most important work I'm going to do a, on a daily basis is business development work. I care about my clients. I'm going to deliver great value to them, but I can't deliver great value to them if I'm not in business. So I do that work as early as I can in, you know, in the day. And when it's done, I've, I've accomplished something very, very meaningful, arguably the most important thing. And then I can turn my attention to other things. So I don't let, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't let my, I don't let working in the business get in the way of working on the business from a prospecting standpoint. So that's, that's basically my, my work behind this. And again, it's not, it's not perfect and it's always uh, evolving, hopefully into something better, but that, that, those strategies and those tactics uh, serve me very well. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that process. There's so much value there. There's a couple of things I want to make sure the listeners hopefully get reinforced here is as I have listened to you describe your process, right? That's exactly what it is. It's a process where yeah. you're talking about what you're doing, but you're not just talking about here's when I do this occasionally. You're describing it in terms of here's how frequently I do this many of these right. things, right? It's very right. specific. So you've got a benchmark to compare yourself against, which helps you, you know, know whether or not you you're hitting those goals on that frequency. Right. And then that data helps you influence what type of results you're getting out of that process. You can make exactly. adjustments along the way strategically, scientifically, right? This is I try to get people to think more along the lines of science than art, right? There's luck for sure, but right, we can be methodical and we can design our processes very specifically so that we can measure what kind of results we're getting out of them. You've done an excellent job, not just obviously completing all of that and doing so efficiently as well, but also designing it, right? So that people can understand, here's what I'm doing. And you know, then you can eventually measure, is it working or do I need to make adjustments, which as you said, we inevitably do. So that is uh, really important. I also want to reinforce when you're doing that activity, uh, the bookends, I do essentially something very similar during the weeks. Mm -hmm. I have more time blocked on Mondays and Fridays. And then when I'm investing in marketing activity and the stuff that I'm doing, like the daily email, it's always the first thing I do uh, yeah. for multiple reasons that you mentioned. It's like when I feel as sharp uh, and the ideas flow more naturally, I'm less fatigued, I'm well-rested, hopefully, and I've woken up and I can also accomplish something that's very important, arguably the most important early in the day before I kind of get into it. Because as we know, as consultants, days get crazy quick, right? That's <laughs> so right. The uh, I'm going to do that later thing sometimes never happens. Most of the time probably never happens. So get it done, get it done early, feel accomplished and have checked the most important box in your consistent process that you need to continually invest in early in the day. Then you can move on with the rest of it, right? Uh, you got the most important stuff ready to go. That will help prevent you know falling into these traps as you're continuing to build your business and grow from here. So yeah, uh, ton of amazing value. Uh, I you know I could probably need to go back and listen to that a few times to pick up everything that I heard you say. But thank you for sharing it, Scott. And obviously, of thank course. you for being. Uh, the couple questions I have for you before we let you go. The first is: Are there any resources in particular that you would point anyone to where they can go to learn more about anything that you mentioned here, or areas where they can learn more from you? And then start, you know, deploying some of these strategies themselves effectively to uh, grow their own consulting businesses. 
Yeah, well, I'll just I'll just kind of circle back to a couple that we mentioned, and then I'll offer a couple of my own. So I mentioned uh, Mark LeBlanc, who is a business coach of mine. Um, you can just Google Mark LeBlanc, L-E-B-L-A-N-C, um, and he has some great work uh, in terms of his book. His book, Growing Growing Your Business, is a fantastic tiny little blue book, but just chock full of gold. Um, so I, that, that would be one to to look at. You mentioned Jonathan Stark. Uh, which is obviously a tremendous resource uh, in the world of consulting. Um, and then just a couple of resources if, uh, if, if people are interested. I'm happy to share, and we can put a link to this, Sean, or, or my email or whatever we want to do in the show notes, however you want to do it. But if anybody is interested, I, I mentioned speaking earlier and how I try to get speaking gigs. And I will say of all the things I probably went through, tac- the tactics, the one that probably most people struggle with creating a science behind right, is getting booked to speak consistently, right? They might have a run of, of events or one here or there, but it's that how do we create a process around getting booked to speak? So I wrote uh, a book called Rainmaking Made Easy um, and just a digital book. I'm happy to share it with anybody who, who wants a copy. So we'll, we'll put a link to that and, and figure out the best way to do that. Um, and then anybody that wants uh, to hop on a virtual coffee with me, I'm happy to do that as well. I have a, uh, uh, a, a web page called the Accelerated Growth Scorecard. If anybody wants to complete that, then I'm happy to do uh, totally no obligation, no fee um, marketing consult, uh, authority-based marketing consult with anybody who wants to complete that scorecard. So just a couple of resources I'm happy to provide to, uh, to anybody out there. And then if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, Sean, um, they can find me on LinkedIn, Scott Cantrell. Uh, C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L on LinkedIn, Um, or they can just email me directly. That's perfectly fine too. Just make sure you put the consulting trap or Sean's name in the subject line. So I know uh, we have that connection, but you can email me at Scott, S-C-O-T-T at smartsolutionsmedia.com, all written together, smartsolutionsmedia.com. Happy to hear from anybody and help however I can. Excellent. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, really valuable resources in there. I love the title of the book, by the way. Uh, so I can't recommend that highly enough as well also. And uh, thank you for providing the contact info. We'll link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Uh, before I let you go, last question I have is, who should be thinking of reaching out to you? Is there anyone in particular in profiles and challenges in particular that they're going through for which you're the ideal person to reach out to? I've got an idea, of course, sure. but I'd love to hear you know you articulate that as well too in terms of who should be thinking out uh, who should be thinking of you uh, and when they should reach out. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So um, I think we work with largely the same universe of folks, Sean. But business to business consultants, coaches, speakers, authors, anybody who has knowledge, skill, or expertise, or who is a thought leader, and they want to simplify their marketing and business development efforts so that it is easier and they can see better results faster. Um, I know, you know, that's that's casting probably a pretty wide net to this audience, but basically if you're finding yourself frustrated, uh, you know, in this consulting trap or frustrated that you don't have more marketing or business development systems in place, um, then that's a conversation worth having. If maybe you're doing really well and you you've seen a level of success, but there's only so much of you to go around, right? You have a capacity limitation, then definitely a conversation's worth having because I can help you potentially break out of that capacity um, by leveraging your knowledge and your skill in different ways. So, um, you know, the, the, the other way to think about it is 
um, someone who wants to expand their business development capability, someone who wants to expand their value, uh, their ability to deliver more value, their capacity. So you want to improve your capability on business development. You want to expand your business capacity. Um, then it's, it's definitely worthy of a conversation. Thank you, Scott. Uh, much appreciated. And thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Well, it's my pleasure, Sean. Thank you for having me. And thank you for everything that you've done for me and my business. So uh, you're a huge, uh, huge piece to the, the success puzzle here. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.